Hello and welcome to another edition of a podcast about baseball, but not pop culture. Uh, this is Tristan Jung, uh, formerly now of Sports Illustrated as of about 12 hours ago. And uh, I'm joined by Max Gelman. Uh, Max, uh, how much college basketball have you watched in the last 48 hours? Well, Tristan, I've watched a lot of college basketball. I spent most of Thursday watching college basketball. I went to Buffalo Wild Wings to watch college basketball. I watched college basketball in my little townhome apartment here. I watched college basketball at my office. I watched college basketball a lot, basically. What I'm trying to say is I love college basketball. And green eggs and ham. Yes, Sam I am. Um, yes. Uh, yeah, I've also watched pretty much every NCAA tournament game, at least a bit of it. But we're not here to talk about the NCAA tournament and the fact that the Big Ten will never lose a game ever again except for Wisconsin, which is fine because nobody likes them. It's a perfect 7-1. and one. Yeah, I mean, like, it's, it's fine. I'm cool with Greg Gard being the only one to dis- disrespect us all. Um, yeah, uh, there's been real baseball um, since the last recording of this podcast uh actually two games of real baseball and uh about a billion dollars worth of extensions told out so um a lot to discuss uh i guess the first thing we can talk about is the extensions because i wrote a long article for sports illustrated about it right before i left about how basically every general manager is now looking to save their teams by signing these extensions and have like very low risk on them rather than, you know, actually buying people on free agency. And, uh, yeah, I was wondering what you think about, uh, just like the last dozen or so extensions that have been signed in the last week and a half. Well, it's certainly been a lot of extensions. I feel like it's all we're hearing about. Um, there is, I think we've been building to this for a couple off seasons where you just get, you know, with all these new, new age general managers and front offices, you have a bunch of teams looking for surplus value early on where they can buy out, um, you know, early years of team control and arbitration and maybe a couple of free agent years. And the players still are making, you know, a hundred, 150 million. And this is kind of like, how the owners wanted it where they're basically not, you know, they're coming together and not signing anyone in free agency. And then they're using the threat of that to sign players to more team friendly deals. Essentially it's kind of weird, but uh, that's the state of the labor market in baseball right now. Yeah, I mean, it's pretty clear that last year's total, um, or well, not last year, this offseason's completely pedestrian free agent market probably played into a role, at least definitely with, um, with I'd say, Merrifield and possibly Goldschmidt and a couple others. Um, Did you but... know Dallas Keuchel and... Keg, uh, Craig Kimbrell are still free agents. I did know that. Actually, I'm kind of shocked Craig Kimbrell is still a free agent as of recording this. Um, 
Yeah, I mean, it's been, I think, that fear and the fact that, like, you know, like, guys like Gio Gonzalez, like, he's a pretty good pitch. I mean, he's not bad. He's getting a minor league deal, and he didn't get a single other offer. I mean. Yeah, that's the real, that's the real problem is that all these older veterans can't get major league deals. You know, you saw Carlos Gonzalez, Adam Jones. Um, there are a couple other guys, like uh, Luis Avilon who was a very good reliever for the White Sox and Brewers last year. And it's they're, they're not even getting cl- anything close to even a major league contract. Yeah, so I mean, if you're Chris Sale, one of the guys who signed an extension, and you already took a not great contract with the White Sox to begin with, and then you have always had arm issues and you're not really, you know, I mean, you're not the model of health. Um, I mean, it would be hard not to pass up $150 million, like, just guaranteed, especially with any labor issues that come o- come along down the road. Right. And yeah. Chris Sale obviously deserves to be paid $30 million a year or 29 whatever the average annual value is. But he's, you know, it's basically been assured that he's never going to get that in free agency unless he waits until the end of spring training. Yeah. So I would say that, I mean, if I, if, okay. And then the, the other side is if you're Eloy Jimenez and you <laughs> basically right. are going to not get allowed to go up to the, get called up to the majors for an indefinite period of time. And you're going to get your team controls and service time manipulated so that you are kind of screwed anyway. I mean, and you don't even know if you're good. And I mean, like, really, like, are you that like, we we saw those with Jonathan Singleton way back when, for those who remember, um, where he signed that $10 million contract with the Astros, and he wasn't good at baseball. So, like, it worked out for him. I mean, there's always a chance that you get injured or you're just not good. So I, I think, like, especially with younger players who are coming up and don't, really know their true value that's an even better way uh, that's even more leverage for teams to um throw out there when they're making contract negotiations yeah but a, a small disclaimer here Eloy Jimenez is not Jonathan Singleton no he's um, not he is he's a lot better than Jonathan yeah. Singleton he he's one of those guys who not only do like the projection systems love, but you know the typical scouts also love. I mean, I'm looking at Fangraphs right now, and the Zips projects him to have 28 home runs this year without even having faced a single major league pitch. I mean, they they said the same similar things about Chris Bryant before he came up. So, I mean, this is a this is a really special bat that we're talking about. Yeah, and he's now under control. I mean, the savings in arbitration, he could have made $70 million if he turns out to be a star in those three arbitration years alone. I mean, right. it's it's kind of absurd that, well, I, I guess it works out. But he has those, he's now also has two club option years, which I think are even more important than buying out the arbitration years, is that the, the White Sox have two relatively inexpensive club option years after this contract ends. So it's like an absurdly team-friendly. It's like probably the most team-friendly deal a prospect has ever signed, I think. Um, Maybe not. I mean, there's only been, what, three contracts ever given out to people who haven't played in the majors yet? Yeah, I mean, maybe not just... Kingery and Singleton? 
maybe not a maybe not for for those guys but like for a young player like anyone with less than two years of service time that's like one of the more team-friendly ones like i mean at least snell is i think he's how many years is that deal five um five years okay so i mean that's not great but it's not it's not like eight i believe (laughs) so i i mean it's it's definitely one of the more team friendly ones. I guess yeah. Merrifield is no, also yeah. ext- ridiculously team friendly, but he's twenty seven. So what are you gonna do? Um, and Bumgarner too. Yes, I, I did write a whole article centered around the focal point of Madison Bumgarner being the most team friendly deal of all time. Um, whoops! You're not I wonder. Wrong. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I forgot about that. I wonder who was paying me to write these things anyway. Um, <laughs> um anyway yeah um yeah i mean the bumgarner deal which was um five for 35 five for 35 yeah and he was basically the ace of their staff and won them two world series is probably yeah that's the greatest team-friendly deal of all time and that's basically saved the giants franchise and why the giants are like somewhat not in a terrible spot right now as opposed to they could have been in a much worse spot, I think, um, given how poorly they've been run since that contract. I think that they have some flexibility as opposed to no flexibility like the Tigers. So, right. Yeah, um, definitely. I don't know. Is this a concerning trend to you? I mean, it's concerning for me. Um, I don't know how concerning it actually is because... Well, it's concerning that the teams are starting to use, like, service time manipulation threats and, you know, uh, stale free agent markets to, you know, coerce players into signing these deals. Because they obviously have the money to spend on free agency. But, I mean, it's not, like, the end of the world. It's just, you know... The, play, the players' union just has to negotiate better in the next CBA. I mean, th- you can't feel bad. You can't feel so bad for them when you see that the union gave up so much in the last collective bargaining agreement that they, were, <laughs> they just didn't realize that this was going to happen. I mean, so yeah. it's like kind of their own fault. Yeah, and I mean, it's almost surprising that it took the owners this long to realize that this was a good idea. <laughs> Because um, there, as of maybe 2015, 2014, there were still massive contracts being handed out. So I think, um, to in free agency, so like right away. So I mean, it's it's concerning. Yeah, I I don't think that it's like gonna ruin baseball necessarily. I mean, as long as, um, I mean, as long as the union negotiates a little bit of a better deal next time maybe gets rid of some of the the a lot of the things with young players i think would probably do the most to help everything just like getting them paid earlier would would assuage a lot of these concerns um yeah and it's um it seems like the easiest thing to do as well yeah and the the owners are clearly just doing this to get more of the shared revenue relative to the players i don't know the exact breakdown off the top of my head but they've sort of been inching in that direction. 
over the last couple of CBAs. And, you know, they, they obviously have the money to spend on these types of players. I mean, Trout made 400, signed a $430 million deal. You know, he would have easily gotten 500, 550 on the free agent market. So the, the arguments that they tell the public that, oh, we don't want to hit the luxury tax, that's clearly not the case. I mean, the Red Sox are going to be hitting the luxury tax, what, for the next, like, four years now with the sale extension? Yeah. So it's... The it's luxury a, tax is also not that much money. <laughs> no, it's not. So it's a little bit of... I, I'm concerned with MLB doing, like, this two-faced thing where they're basically lying to the fans. But uh, I, I don't know. The, you, you know, this is the union's doing mostly for not yeah not negotiating well um okay well i think that's a pretty good place to wrap that up i am currently doing a fantasy baseball draft right now and my my pick is up we are at Mm. 170 in round 12 of 28 uh or (laughs) 12 of 28 Um, yes there are 15 teams and it is a mixed rotisserie league there are Four keeper slots. Oh my god! Uh, all my all those picks were already done. So this is really the seventh round that I've picked. It's also been a full hour and a half since we started. So I've only made seven picks. Um, <laughs> so right now, Craig Kimbrell is undrafted. We are at 170, and no one has taken Craig Kimbrell, Sean Doolittle, Jose Leclerc, or Wade Davis. And I'm wondering whether I should just like splurge on one of these relievers. Like, is it an auction so draft? Late. No, it's a snake draft. Snake. Hmm. Do you have any relievers right now? I have Kirby Yates. I might say LeClerc. Yeah, I mean, he's definitely the best player available. I don't... I guess Hicks... Is, oh, Brandon Nimmo's available. I should probably take him. He's a... Oh, yeah. This is also an on-base percentage league. Yeah, I think, take, uh, take yeah, Nimmo. I think we're taking Brandon Nimmo. All right, it's in. Uh, that's a good transition into some Mets discussion because the one player who has not signed an extension (laughs) is probably my favorite player, Jacob deGrom, uh, because the Mets are a really competent baseball organization that loves to um, please everybody. Uh, The Mets were given a deadline of opening day to sign an extension with Jacob deGrom. And, uh, what are we? Five days, six days away from opening day. Uh, five. Five days. Thursday. A, yeah. Um, and uh, he has not signed an extension. Is ever is anyone surprised that he hasn't signed the extension? Uh, they haven't given him a good extension. I'm not yet. surprised. I think the only person surprised is probably Brody Van Wagenen, who is the general manager of the Mets and Degrom's former agent. Um, yeah, it's um uh, not ideal. Um. If you had a if you had a guess, would you say that Degrom is going to be a New York Met in a year and a half, two years? No. Yeah, I, I would say no as well. Do you know? <laughs> do we have any reasoning for this other than like the Mets being just incompetent jackasses, or like? Well, uh, they're going to realize too late that if they can't contend, then they have to get some value out of their best pitcher. And so if they don't end up trading him, he's just going to leave them in free agency because why would he want to stay for a team that didn't want to sign him to an extension and isn't going to be winning anymore? So 
Uh, he is not going to be a Met probably at the latest 2021, at the earliest uh, July 31st this year. Yeah. I mean, it's. I would say that DeGrom, of, of all the players who are possibly up for extensions, I mean, he has made very, very little money. He's only made 12, I mean, okay, only made $13 million in his five seasons so far. So he's looking for the mega extension that he deserves. And I, it does, if the, if the Mets aren't willing to even, uh, like if the Mets aren't going to consider it, then it's basically not going to have, because like if you're, if you're someone who's maybe gotten to cash in a little earlier or like signed or got a decent signing bonus, or like did something earlier in your career to, warrant this there he would get more but he's basically by the end of this arbitration year he'll make like 16 maybe 18 million dollars so he he's only going to get like he's only going to have 30 million in net earnings by the time he turns 31 which means he's going to want a like nine-year contract and the Mets probably aren't going to give him a nine-year contract and I would say that Maybe they probably shouldn't give him, but I, I feel like they should simply because they they want to be taken seriously as an organization. But whatever, um, he's making that. that's true. <laughs> um, he, I mean, they they've said that they've wanted to do that anyway. His 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 contract this year is seventeen million, um, avoiding arbitration. So, um, that's, I mean, if you compare that to someone like like Sale who made. I think let me look at his last arbitration year. Uh sale he is getting paid fifteen million, but he signed that extension with Chicago that um basically screwed him over. So um yeah. If if you're looking at this from a competent organization standpoint, you would see that Jacob deGrom uh turns 31 very soon and doesn't reach free agency until he'll be like almost 33 32 and a half and you can if you were a competent organization you could probably you know figure that these are probably DeGrom's best years and if you were to sign him to an extension you would front load anything for the next three two to three years and then doesn't this, the sale extension is an opt out after three years, right? So that that would yeah. that, that could actually be a good basis for the a, a potential Degrom extension. So Sale has never won a Cy Young, but Degrom yeah, but he's has. good. <laughs> yeah, I know. I'm just saying that if I were to be at the negotiating table, this is what I would say if I were Jacob Degrom's agent. Look at look at how much money Chris Sale got. He's never won a Cy Young, and he has a lot more innings on his arm, even though DeGrom's older. Yeah, I mean, I would say that a five-year, $150 million deal for DeGrom is perfectly reasonable. I mean, I don't I don't know why, like, the Mets wouldn't match that. Like, I would say that that's probably responsible, and then at least they're just not going to – they just don't want to spend money. I mean, it's just the same problem. I mean, what, what – I don't even – I mean – and I'm sure DeGrom knows this too, having spent so much time with the organization that like, right. this is what they're going to, I mean, just like, I mean, yeah, just like Trevor Bauer knows that the Indians are probably going to trade him or get rid of him 
within a year and a half. Like Degrom knows that the Mets are going to lowball him until he accedes the offer, and that and he's in no position to do so because he just had the greatest season by a pitcher in like twenty years. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, Jacob Degrom for his major league career has thrown eight hundred ninety-seven and two-thirds innings, which doesn't seem like a lot. No, I mean, Felix Hernandez at this point in his career was probably at like a thousand. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I, I Chris don't... Sale is at almost 1500. Yeah. Pitching for a lot of very bad baseball teams. Right. Um, and Chris Sale skipped the minors. So that's almost his entire professional career. Yeah. I mean, I mean, I just, it's just baffling. I mean, if the Mets really do think they want to contend, like, do, shouldn't they have done this like two months ago? I, I, I like, they just don't make any sense. Like, if they, they never really make it to contend. They should have signed Manny Machado, <laughs> but that's neither here nor there. Yeah, they they traded. They they signed Jed Lowry, Max. What are you talking about? Oh, excuse me. <laughs> yeah, Jed Lowry, uh, who is already going to be on the injury list to start the season. By the way. Yes, That's not foreboding at all. <laughs> um, but Pete Alonso is up, so that's good. Um, yeah, I think, of course, the Mets haven't signed Degrom. Is is our conclusion from that? And um, speaking of uh, conclusions, oh, I'm just killing it with these segues today. Um, <laughs> we we saw the end of Ichiro Suzuki's career. Uh, we've had two actual baseball games this week between the A's and the Mariners in Tokyo. And we got a great, sort of great moment where Ichiro came up uh, for the last two games and then announced his retirement uh, in front of the home crowd, which is good. And, um, yeah, I mean, it was a really heartwarming moment. Um, We were talking in the office about how like, is there really, like, a signature Ichiro moment? I mean, my main Ichiro moment is that he is the first baseball player's name I ever knew, I think. Like, <laughs> when I was four, my dad was like, Ichiro Suzuki, you got Because I think it was... When I turned four, it was 2001, which is his first year. And, like, he was a sensation. So I think, yeah, he was pretty much the first baseball player I ever knew about. But I don't really have, like, a signature moment from him other than, like... He's Ichiro, like he's he's sort of just implacable. Do you have any good Ichiro memories? Um, I was probably mostly too young to remember any of his like really good years early in his major league career, like the early to mid two thousands. Um, the one Ichiro moment I do remember is when he was on the Marlins, and they played a series in Seattle, and he had a home run for the Marlins at Safeco Field. And the entire stadium just erupted in cheers, even though he was on the opposing team. Like, him and Chase Utley have both had that, where they, they come back to their old team stadiums in another uniform and just hit a home run, and the entire crowd goes nuts. And I think that sort of, you know, regardless of what we think about Chase Utley on this podcast, um, that's probably the best way to encapsulate Ichiro. That, you know, he is so beloved that it doesn't matter who he's playing for. You're still going to root for him. 
yeah. just based on the player and person that he is. I mean, I rooted for Yankees Ichiro. That was that was a, that was a great time. I, I enjoyed that. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, he is one of those like catch all everybody. I mean, in two continents, it's it's pretty much impossible not to like enjoy watching him play baseball. Um, I just uh, a lot of the fun Ichiro stuff too has come. Like in the last couple of years, you know, there there was that story that came out in the Athletic last season, where um, during All Star games, Ichiro would give this like curse laden uh, pump up speech every All Star game that would just freak out the young All Stars because they had never heard him speak English before, and you know David Ortiz would always be there to pump him up, <laughs> and there was that other moment where. Uh, I think Tom Brady reached out to him to ask him, you know, how he continues to stay in shape at age 45. And Ichiro was just, who the F is Tom Brady? And it's, <laughs> it's so, so perfectly Ichiro. Yes. Um, ends his career with 3,089 hits in the majors, I believe. Couldn't beat out that last grounder, which, like, yeah. if he did, that would have been the best thing ever. Um whole internet would have melted down not that it did anyway but like that would have been really good seems like Derek Jeter will be the only one who ends up retiring on like a ridiculous hit note um because Wright couldn't get a hit and uh Ichiro hasn't been able to get, didn't get a hit so of course um and then A-Rod retired in total disgrace um <laughs> so yeah I mean yeah, I definite Hall. I mean, uh, what, what can you even say about his? I mean, he's gonna be in the yeah Hall of Fame, all the greats. I mean, he no, yeah, yeah, it's not even a question. Um, I will say that when he was with the Yankees, he he put up a one WAR season in 2014. He when he was 41. <laughs> <laughs> He had 284. Like, he was good. <laughs> um, he had yeah. a good year with the Marlins, too. Yes, he did. He, 2016. Yeah, that was yeah. even later. He was 43. Hit 291, 354, 376. I think I rostered him in several fantasy leagues. Um, yeah. He was like a great utility outfielder you can play in every other day. Um, in fantasy. I think he, he played 143 games that year. It was good that he got to retire with the Mariners too. Those, yeah, yeah. Um, that was. What that did was you think awesome. of the Japan series in general? Did you did you watch any of it? I mean, no, I, I didn't. I didn't watch any of it um, because uh, it was at four thirty were the first pitches in the morning. Yeah. Um, and yeah, normally when the uh, when baseball has had these international stuff. And when I was growing up in New Jersey and the games would start at 5.30 and not 4.30, I could watch, like, the end of the games during breakfast. But, you know, getting ready for school. But that uh, was not the case. <laughs> that was not the case this week. Um, yeah, I watched the end of the games because East Coast life. Um, yeah. But that was about it. Um, I mean, I I thought don't... it was cool that Kikuchi was able to start in Japan. Yeah, that was that was good to start his career in Japan. Um I thought it was I thought it I think it's just cool to have 
games over there um, in general. Um, I think they should have a Korean baseball series, the no bias aside. I mean, come on. South Korea is just as big into baseball as Japan is. So um, I, I would say that that needs to be on the docket. I would, run, oh, yeah, sure. I would much rather have a Korean series over a London series in a country where I don't really think they care about baseball whatsoever. <laughs> um, but that's just my – I would rather have it in Mexico City or like anywhere else. <laughs> Uh, Dominican Republic, like, just like, why go to London? Like, wh- what? <laughs> I don't know. It's whatever. The Puerto uh, Rico series was fun. Yeah, that was great. That was, uh, we should have more of the, I, <laughs> um, I don't know. Latin America and Asia are where your base is. Why are you trying to, like, I know, like, you want to expand the game in Europe, but, like, uh, not gonna happen. it's not going to happen. <laughs> like, <laughs> um, yeah. Anyway, um, I have another fantasy pick, by the way. So, um, okay, we are we are in round thirteen, the one hundred ninety first pick, and Craig Kimbrell is still on the board. Um, that's wow. kind of, and and Leclerc is still on the board. What? Who's gone since I? Oh wow, Keiko just got taken. Carlos Santana, Moncada. Yeah, we're we're reaching the end. Oh, I, I missed that on Fran Mil Reyes too. Oh, oh no. He's actually good. Anyway, Jose Martinez is probably the best actual hitter available. Do I need another hitter? I guess I just took Nimmo. I my pitchers are only Michaelis, Yates, Clevenger, and Flaherty right now, so I should probably take another one. Uh um, how many pitcher spots do you have? Oh, uh nine. It's cool. Good good league. It's actually quite fun, but it's it's really difficult to actually be good at it. But you win every year. I win every year, yeah. Um, <laughs> I'm gonna take Joe Musgrove because he's good um, and still available. Um, all right, that moves in. Um, I guess combine. Yeah. It's my my turn for a fun segue here. Uh, we are in a fantasy baseball league together, and yes. one of our one of my players was injured during the Japan series. See how I combine those two topics right there? Yes. Yes. So. That's brilliant. Wow. You're so good at this podcasting thing. Did you go to <laughs> did you go to a journalism school? Uh I did go to a journalism school. Thank you for asking. Oh wow. Um it was uh uh Missouri. I I hear that's the best one. Oh, I thought it was Columbia. Oh yeah, that's true. Uh they're they're the two best ones. And Syracuse is the third, and USC is fourth, and there's no other good ones. Yep, that's it. Yeah. Um, so yeah, uh, Matt Olson, uh, broke his hand fouling off a pitch and is going to miss six weeks. And I don't have a spot for him on my IL spot because I drafted Clayton Kershaw, who is going to start there anyways. That's tough. And now it's going to be hard to catch up to Tristan because he wins this league every year. (laughs) What is your worst preseason injury story of all time? I, I I feel like everybody has one of these. I mean, in fantasy baseball or any fantasy? yeah, in fantasy baseball or any fantasy. I mean, we can do multi- we mm. you can do all things here. Preseason, I don't think I've ever drafted a player in football and then he tears his ACL in a preseason game. It can be like week one as well. Um, 
Yeah, and I don't think I've ever had one of those types of thing. There was the year Kershaw won the MVP award. Uh, I drafted him in the first round, 2014, and he like strained a shoulder muscle in that game in Australia, and he missed the first six weeks and still won yeah. the MVP. So I don't know how if that's like terrible. Um, the most I know I had. I can remember right now. Yeah, I had Bumgarner two years ago when he, like, was this the dirt that was bike the ex- dirt bike yeah. accident? Yeah, that was terrible. Um, because why are you dirt biking anyway? Um, yeah, uh, I think. Oh wait, no, I have one for this year actually. I traded in my in my uh, Fangraphs Auto New League. I traded for Francisco Lindor in January. And, like, a few weeks later, he hurt his calf muscle and is now going to miss, like, the first couple weeks of the season, which is bad because he's my highest-paid player. Yeah. Um, trying to look at, like, who's gotten. I mean, I guess we usually do drafts late enough to avoid, like, if someone gets Tommy John in the first yeah. month of spring training. Um, but I guess, I mean, if you took Corey Seager last year in a draft before the season, that was probably one of the similar level of disaster. I actually did do that in another league, but it was a keeper league. (laughs) So I kept them in like the fifth round. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I think we talked about a different time. Like, I feel like there are not as many of those, but I mean, I think Tommy John surgeries have been going down, sort of trending downwards of late. Cause like either pitchers choose to rehab them or they don't have them quite as much. Um, except I think, uh, including Corey Knable, who was another injury we had, who I drafted in like the 15th round of this league, who went to, the, I think he's going to be on the injured list to start the season, and he has a UCL injury. So, but he wants to rehab it. So I guess good for him. Um, it worked for Tanaka. It did work for Tanaka, um, but I feel like Tanaka is like somewhat uh, of an exception. But oh well. Um, yeah, I mean, the weird thing about that fantasy league, I think, is that. I cannot believe we had everybody actually present in the draft. I feel like this is a except ma- for one major, person, yeah. Except for one person. This is like a major problem for a lot of like college fantasy leagues in that they don't have everybody. No, yeah, I was impressed. We there. had what yeah, we had thirteen of the fourteen people there for the whole draft, which is Yeah, without surprising. a surprising, yeah. Um, is there a, a, by the way, I don't actually, I know, I still haven't checked Facebook. Do I have to pay anybody yet? Um, uh, no, not yet. Okay, good, good. Is there going to, is that going to happen? Uh, is, Probably. Is I think there's going to be like 10 bucks. All right. Um, Ari, uh, Ari did post a, a message about this. Um, hmm. Well, wow, I've missed a lot of Facebook updates. I love to get like 14 notifications every time I log in. <laughs> Um, I have stolen anyway. your uh, Pokemon team name Thunder for this year. <laughs> I am the Josh <laughs> Bell Sprouts. Yeah, that's pretty good. Um, not as good as the Heath Bell Sprouts. Missed that guy. <laughs> um, 
or the Sky Pilars, but Sky Pilars. That was that was the best. Um, I th- I thought Alex Sudowudo was pretty good. Yeah, that was good too. What was the other one you had in there? Um, there's a one in between Sudowudo and Sky uh, the Pilar. Steven Stones. Oh yeah, the Steven Stones. <laughs> um, I mean. I, I could definitely think of some other ones like right off the spot here. Um, this is good radio here. I'm going to try to think of <laughs> some Pokemon team names right off the spot. Um, Aaron Judge. Aaron Judge. <laughs> hmm. uh, wow. There's a... This is the best part of the podcast. Yes. Um... Joey Lucario, that's not that good. Joey Lucario, AZ, eh, two out of ten. Um, uh, Reese Horn Hoskins. <laughs> I, I need to look at the full playlist. John Carlos Stantler. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> Nick Pidgeybetta. <laughs> Oh no, this is bad. Um John Carlos Stantler. Come on, the John Carlos Stantlers. That's that's a great That's team really name. good. <laughs> um hmm. J A Happini. <laughs> um hmm. trying to look for like Gen 3 ones cuz like there's a lot of good puns there usually. Um, David Price Ape. That's not good. I mean, you can you can have like <laughs> that's not good at all. You can have like Aaron Hicks, then Laron Judge, and then Agron Boone. Yeah, um, <laughs> it's so this is bad. Um, all right, yeah, okay. I think this I think this joke has run its course. Um, no, let's keep let's keep uh, beating it. Please. Into the um, ground. Kyle Schwarpedo. <laughs> I think like Stantler is like one of the most obscure first two generation Pokemon. I, I like never remember it exists. And may I introduce you to Dunsparce? I know Dunsparce. That's a that's a th- also three, isn't it? No, it's Gen two. Oh no, it is Gen. Oh, there you go. Never mind. The stupid slug that just sits there and does nothing. Adam Dunsparce. Yeah, it's pretty much pretty pretty accurate. All right, there's now a thirty minute break in my draft halfway through, so this is not going to end until like three p.m. What? <laughs> it's okay. So my dad like injected me into this uh, his fantasy baseball league because they ran out of an owner, and um, now I have to draft with a bunch of forty year olds who take like forty to fifty year olds who take like three full minutes to take their picks every time and need a thirty minute break. Like, what is this? <sighs> All right, whatever. I'll stop complaining about, um, I guess, Gen X, Gen Yers, 80s people. Um, I think it's time to wrap up. Yeah, it's probably time to wrap up. <laughs> Although, um, after we sign off, I'll probably think of some more Pokemon puns. Um, all right, well... Thanks for coming on the podcast, Max. Uh, and um, thanks to everyone for listening through this uh, 
interesting run through the uh, the daily news of baseball. Um, Especially those any... last five minutes. Yes. <laughs> Everyone Follow... should do an Atnu fantasy baseball league if you get the chance. They're really fun. Yeah, um, we didn't actually talk about that. Can you give me like a 30 sec? Give me an elevator pitch for Adenu before we sign up. Sure. So it's uh, it's an auction league, um, 40 man rosters. It tries to simulate what an actual, what being an actual general manager would feel like is the goal of the website. Um, so, like I said, 40 man rosters. Uh, you have a $400 salary cap that you can allocate however you want. Um, and every player in the entire baseball universe is available from Mike Trout all the way down to, who, you know, Alan Thomas or Alec Thomas, who was a Diamondbacks prospect who was drafted in the second round last year. Uh, and you can keep as many players as you want in the offseason um, as long as you stay under that $400 cap by the end of January. And then every year you do another auction draft to fill out the rest of your rosters. And there's also a very fun arbitration process where you can add money to your opponent's players and basically however you want. So, yeah, do Otnu. Yeah, um, I should do one next year. Um, I was like sort of out of fantasy baseball and then I got a job where I had to write about fantasy baseball and now I'm sort of back into it. Um, so yeah, I should try that out anyway. Um, all right, everyone. Uh, thanks for listening and, uh, we will podcast somewhat soon. Uh, see ya. Bye. Bye.